Hi, I'm Seth. And I'm Scott. And we are track walking. And I got to do the intro today, which is so exciting because I came up with a topic. We and so Scott's it. like, you have to talk about it. We nailed it. I just pointed and, and you did the thing. And... and Scott's such a pro that even I can do this. It's amazing. <laughs> so I want to talk about vision. Mm-hmm. Um, Eyeballs. I've, oh yeah, well, we could go into that too. Um, got cool eyeball stories. Um, but vision is... Okay, so I'm going to start with a phrase. I'm going to start with a question I don't want you to answer. Okay. 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 The question is, what are you looking forward to? Like in life or on the racetrack? That's the thing, right? Mm, okay. Mm. Okay, don't want you to answer it. Mm. Um, and... Um, I had like all these, the, I've been thinking about this for a week. Um, and I had all these like, uh, sort of obtuse examples and blah, blah, blah. And then went to the racetrack yesterday and on a tiny bike, on a tiny bike, like all a we did genuinely was genuinely tiny bike. Yeah. All we did was bring small bikes yesterday. And, um, a friend of the show Viet was there. And so Viet brought one of his uh, one of his old friends, martial arts friends that he's been they've been kicking and punching each other for years, and um, he was going to teach him to ride motorcycles. And this is a guy that that near as I can tell vaguely knew how a clutch worked on a motorcycle, which is not relevant for the bikes we're riding, but is not a motorcycle rider, um, not a street rider, not a dirt bike rider, definitely not a track rider. And sure. so uh, I showed up with the the Honda. Uh, XR70, nice little 70cc auto clutch bike. And Fiat was like, yes, this is perfect. We'll send him out on the little track and he'll ride around. Cool. It's the kindest bike in the world. This guy's got leathers on. Everything's good. All you have to do is ride around and like nobody even has to tell you anything. It's it's the equivalent of being sent out on a rental cart, right? Like okay. go drive this go-kart on the pavement. Have a good time. Sure. And so we went on road and I was on the, uh, the Honda CRF 50. So the little Honda 50, which is quite a bit smaller than that. Sonia was on her new PW 50, which is even smaller than that. And the three of us are buzzing laps around the track. Okay. And, um, Sonia and I are driving are riding around like crazy people. Uh, also it is, the track is damp and it's, <laughs> it's foggy and it's kind of horrible. Okay. And so we're riding around, riding around, and I I didn't want I was I was catching up with this guy and I didn't want to spook him. So, you know, I sort of took my time catching up with him, I was gonna pass him on the straight. So I was sort of watching him through about four or five corners until I had a good place where I could pass him. And we come out of this corner and he goes a little wide, and all of a sudden you could watch his head tilt so he was looking at the outside of the track. And he looked at the outside of the track and he went a little closer, and he went a little closer, and I thought Oh shit. And he looked at that part where the asphalt meets the the dirt and he looked at it and he drove right into it and he tipped over. Bloop, dumped the bike in the dirt, hit his hit his face on the on the cement, um, was genuinely oh, wow. rattled. Um yeah. uh the good thing being because he's on a tiny motorcycle that's going like twenty six miles an hour, maybe. Um wearing full leathers designed to crash at hundred miles an hour. Uh, he just got up and then we got the bike up and we picked the dirt out of the foot pegs and laughed about it. And we went on with our day and we did explain to him like that, that particular sort of accident, um, which they talk about a lot when they teach you to ride motorcycles on the street, um, is about target fixation. Mm -hmm. You will go where you are looking. And so when you see something uh, in street riding, it's usually something like the edge of a road, a ditch, um, a car, and your brain sort of freaks out and looks at it, you will drive right into it. Um, And it's probably the most dangerous part of street riding in your first year of riding a motorcycle is you will just go where you're looking. 
And if you're looking at something dangerous, you will run into something dangerous. And um, so he got to experience the terror of target fixation in an environment with basically no consequences, which was fantastic. A little um, bit of dirt. Yeah, all things considered, the best way to crash a motorcycle. Um, you crash somebody else's motorcycle in a situation <laughs> yeah. where it doesn't break the motorcycle and you don't get hurt. So it's amazing. And so, like, the concept of you go where you're looking. Which is, is discussed at every beginner's driver's meeting, if not the driver's meeting, period. In cars, though, we more we phrase it differently, though. We we tend or at least when I've done it, it it's you you say you go. Like you you go where you look, right? Sure. And in motorcycles, we say you basically you run into the thing you're looking at. Oh, OK. Um, and, and I think that's the, the consequences in motorcycles. The consequences are really, really high. Yeah, and it um, specifically to, to, states what the consequence is. Right. And and so in cars, it's always like, you know, don't look at, you know, you want to look for the space where you want your car to be. And so you phrase it as like the way to put your car in this place. And when you're motorcycling, you're like, don't freeze up and target fixate or you're going to run into that thing and you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's And it's different, but it's the same idea that you know where you go where you're looking and that's a natural human response because like that's how we walk right you go you not really though um because even when you're walking like you're not you know unless you're depressed but... or moody or like in your head like you're not looking at the next step no but you're looking at the space you want to occupy in the future yes because have you ever tried to walk and look at the scenery at the same time? Like, not look where you're going, but, like, look around? Yeah, I mean, you kind of get... I kind of get wobbly, anyway. I Yeah, immediately. Like, I almost fall over. I remember one of the first times I was uh, out west where there was mountains. And I, <laughs> I would walk, and I would try to look up at things. And I swear to God, I would almost fall over. I would just be like, oh, look at that big hill. And I would just like tip sideways and, and just about tip over. And, and my friend I was hiking with was like, dude, you can't do that. You have to look where you're going in the mountains or you're going to fall off this path. All right. Yeah. And, and so that's like the most fundamental. It's one of the most fundamental things with cars and motorcycles and all that stuff. But we only kind of mention it the first day. And then unless you have a problem with it, we never talk about it again. Or unless you do the smart thing and you hire a coach. <laughs> unless you yeah, unless you hire a coach who's who knows what they're doing. Right. Yes. Um and does more than the well, you should look farther ahead. Cool. Thanks. So what in your opinion, what's that what's the connection with you should look farther ahead and you go where you're looking? Like, how do you make that philosophical leap for people? Oh, really? The The first example that comes to my mind is just planning your week, planning your month, budgeting, like any of that stuff. One of, and I think I mentioned this in a previous episode a long time ago, because uh, we can say that now that we've been doing this for over two years now. Yeah, a long time. That's been a minute. Um, but one of the things, actually the thing that distinguishes people who have any sort of a savings, um, money saved, like is not living directly paycheck to paycheck, but like has at least something saved. And I'm not even talking thousands of dollars. I'm talking like a hundred 200 bucks is a calendar in their house. That is it. Um, and I've always found that to be interesting that the idea of budgeting and even again, just 
planning for the future, you need to have something that helps you look into the future, which besides a crystal ball is a calendar. Uh, for me, I like a paper calendar and I like it to be on the fridge or We're like so old. So both of us. <laughs> well, I've got a grid life calendar, so that's still old. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just, I've, have found that to be interesting that if you want to plan for the future, which is exactly what financial budgeting is, it doesn't have to be even for the year. It's just like for the week, for the month, you have to think ahead. What's coming up? What trips do I have planned? What events are coming up? Um, how much do I usually drive? How much food do I usually need? Um, you know, what, what season is it? How much are utilities going to be? It's, it's a picture where you have to zoom out a little bit and you have to look ahead. You have to think about what's coming up. And if you don't, I mean, all you see is your current balance in your account and stuff you may want to buy. And that's it. Like if you've got a bill, like your bills are due tomorrow, that doesn't matter. It's like I have $500 and this just came out and I'm going to go buy that, you know, not to mention the $400 in bills that you have tomorrow to pay. Um, so that, that'd be my first like financial idea, but even like, I want to believe that this is how you approach students when they come to you for driving advice. And you're like, let's talk about calendars. <laughs> I, I, I may have mentioned that, but I think it's like down the road a ways once I like actually know the person pretty well. <laughs> Otherwise, like I'm just way too esoteric to <laughs> for people to like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Um, so that would be the, my financial, um, aspects to it i i think the other one is just like what do you want to do like how do you want to use your time and your energy and your focus like where do you want to be like if i understand that and i'm even kind of in this right now like you know we get into times in our life where we just have to make it through the day where the best you can do like Tropic Thunder says, is survive. (laughs) Um, So you go to work, you put your head down, and you get through it. Because if you do anything else, it's going to feel too big, it's going to feel too heavy, too complicated, like you can't handle it, you can't manage it. So sometimes, you just need to do it. Now, Hopefully, you don't have to operate that in that space very long because it's very stressful. If you've ever driven on track at speed looking right in front of the car, it's very stressful. The first time you drive a car on track, if you recall, it is very stressful because you don't know where you're going. You thought the steering wheel was to turn the car. You thought your throttle was to go faster. And all of a sudden you've got these people in these bunkers, like in weird places with flags that you need to try to remember what they're doing. And you've got to like try to look for them, but you're only looking like 40 feet out in front of the car as you're going 80 miles an hour down a straight or something like that. Like you have no idea, but Oh crap. I forgot. I got to do this. All right. Where's the track? Oh crap. There's another car. Oh crap. Where am I going? And you're just operating in survival mode. You're just trying to get through it. And I, I I think we all as drivers, we need to like, we need to remember that. Like that's hard. That's stressful. My, uh, a brief aside, my mom is looking to get into track driving um, Ooh. and she is a woman of a certain age. Uh, I'm 40 and we are wide generations. If that gives you any, any idea, 
I can do math. Yep. She um, owned a Chrysler Crossfire back in the day that she adored, I think largely because it was a convertible and had a decent amount of power. That's almost a sporty car. That's It tries. Um, it, yeah. Twice as many spark plugs as you need for a six-cylinder. Has um, sporting intentions. But it's a Mercedes wrapped in a Chrysler. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so she was kind of like looking around, you know, I'm anyway, cars, not important. What is important is, um, my mom has never driven with a helmet on, on a track by herself. She has ridden along. She's maybe taken a parade lap or two, but like she has never properly driven on track by herself. This woman has accomplished a lot. She's a prosecuting attorney. She's done defense work. She's done title work. She's co-owned a business, actually several businesses. Um, She's she's good at looking ahead. She's a badass in her own right. Um, She is going to be an (laughs) eight-year-old at a brand new school on the playground for the first time trying to do a new game she has no idea what it's called let alone the rules right so while she's going to be able to have some skills and experiences to fall back upon she is going to be in survival mode at least for part of the first session i say at least because it could quite well last much longer than that right could be the whole first day it absolutely could And that's why, like, with any coaching clients or even beginners who get on track for the first first time, you need to do two days back-to-back. I agree. Um, But anyway, so hopefully you're not operating in that survival mode in life for too long because it is stressful. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your brain. It's hard on the people around you. And like on track, you can't look ahead when you're in survival mode correct yeah your body is trying to protect itself and when your body is trying to protect itself um it can be an actual or perceived danger your brain interprets it as the exact same thing so somebody could have a gun to your head or you could be coming into a breaking zone at 130 and your brain thinks those two things are the same thing you might as well have a gun to your head. So what happens is you get the bad chemicals in your brain. We don't have to go into it, but you get the bad chemicals, which restricts um, breathing. It elevates your blood pressure and your heart rate. It constricts your muscles because you're in fight or flight mode. Uh, Your vision narrows and drops. It does both of them which also uh, your senses may be heightened somewhat, but your upper cognitive abilities virtually disappear. You are in survival mode. Like, what do I need to do to survive? You're not thinking, huh, my best friend told me this the other day. I wonder, I wonder what the social ramifications are. If I, <laughs> like, you're not, you're not in that mode. You're like, I want food. I need to, to sleep under something so I don't get wet. I mean, you're usually in, I'm screaming in my helmet at that point. Yes. So anyway, um, so getting out of that, which takes help, and it takes being able to, and sometimes it just takes faking it until you make it. Like sometimes you have to force yourself to do something just to see what it's like because your brain is screaming at you. Do not do this. I'm trying to protect you. (laughs) Like looking down, your brain is trying to protect you. It's a good thing. Evolutionarily speaking is a good thing, but it's not a good thing with what we're doing. (laughs) If a bear is attacking you, it's a very good thing. Right. Well, we're not really designed to intentionally do this repeatedly. Do, necessarily do what meow 
put put ourselves into that headspace. Oh, yes. Um, because that's I, I think that's the the biggest thing with track driving and modern life is that that we can be overwhelmed continually, repeatedly, over and over and over and over and over, um, without a chance to really relax and recover. Um, yep. because a 20 minute session on track is a really long time. Um, if, if it's your first one or your second one, or your it's something's going wrong 20 minutes, which might only be five laps, seven laps, depending on the depending. track yeah. is a really long time. Yes. Um, because you don't have a chance during that time to really relax and recover and, and sort of get your shit back together before something is coming at you again um and oftentimes you're and oftentimes your time on track is only a small portion of your heightened uh experience you're nervous about oh shoot i only have 30 minutes left to get ready i've got to do this this and this and then you do that you get in the car crap how do i get to grid again or it's like i know i get to grid okay i don't hit all these people that are here and shoot, I want to be at the back uh, because I don't want to be around anybody. And be at the back with these other six people that also want to be at the back. Right. <laughs> and then, crap, okay, they're putting us all out. Okay, I have to stop. Oh, that's right. Show them that I've got my chin strap on my... Okay, all good. And then you go do your 20 minutes. You come in, checkered flag. Oh, okay, I've got to wave at these people, cool the car, try not to use the brakes. Oh, crap, I feel like I'm going really fast. You come in, where's pit in? Okay, got to go slow. Okay, I've got to come up, turn, find my way back, get there, and then you've got the come down after that, which a lot of times is, if you've seen anybody come off track who's in that heightened space, like it can take an hour, if not more, to like really calm your body and your brain down. It's a cycle. <laughs> you're, you're making, like, I'm kind of freaking out remembering the first couple times I was on track. Like, it makes yes. me anxious as I'm sitting here, as you describe all of that. I, I'm i glad you said it, because as I'm, like, <laughs> reciting, I'm like, why am I getting excited? Um, <laughs> it's not excitement, it's anxiety. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it it's, it's a good point, because, you know, your 20-minute session may, I mean... I would almost bank an hour worth of extra stimulus. 20 minutes before, 20 on track, 20 minutes after. You're making, you're talking me out of driving on track. Like, <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. So I th- but I think part of that, um, I think it's okay to be overwhelmed as long as you don't get overwhelmed in a way that makes you dangerous to yourself and others. Sure. Um, but I th- think it's okay. That's a, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. Um, sure. And there's probably a difference between feeling overwhelmed and being overwhelmed. Yeah. Maybe. I would, yeah, I would think so. I'm not quite sure how to parse those two out right now. Right. But I, I think... Certainly when I started, so I, I went to a NASA weekend. A friend of mine invited me out um, to a NASA weekend. I came out with a Cadillac, and everything was scary. And everyone around me seemed like they knew what they were doing. Joke's on you. They and, don't. <laughs> and the, you know, two years into driving, I watched new people show up. And at that point, I could recognize that the new people were terrified. And about a third of the people there on any given weekend were also terrified as they belted themselves in and and pulled up to grid and did all of that, regardless of, of how long they had been doing it. Because you've got you, a car, a new car, or you've got something that you've been working on, or you're going out in time trial and you're worried about setting a time, or you can see those same that same anxiety and nervousness and, and all the same physical characteristics, maybe not for the same reason, but it's all still there. Sure. Um, and that, that sense of being overwhelmed because you can only focus on so many things at a time. Um, and I think that's why we, that may be why we always 
have trouble looking ahead in cars, even, no matter how long we've been doing it. I don't know. Do you think you look ahead far enough? So I've learned that it's not just about looking ahead, but in terms of just is my vision what it should be? No. Right. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty... At this point, I feel fairly confident that vision and the ability to control your mind and your emotions while you're on track is the game. Like, that is, if there ever was an end point or like a final frontier in driving, I think those two things are it. Because if you can get that under control, then you can do the rest? I think if you're able to truly know your brain and your emotions on track are able to use those and wield them effectively and you have good vision, everything else is a skill that can be learned easily with enough seat time and repetition. Maybe what you're describing is the skill that's hardest to learn? Yeah. Hardest to teach? For sure. For sure. And so, yeah, you you seem like the kind of guy who gets fascinated with the part that's difficult. Yeah, which is its, <laughs> is its own uh, quagmire, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, I kind of started off just talking about that sometimes in, in our lives we have those times where we just have to survive. We have to get through. Right. Um, and I think, you know, all the caveats aside, I think the ideal, or at least like the better place to be, is you have a job, house, relationships um, in your life that allow you and help you enable you to better use your brain, your emotions, your finances, et cetera, et cetera. So that you can plan ahead. You know, the job may not be perfect. Uh, it may not even be good. But what do you want to do? Like, not even with your life, but like, what do you want to do? How do you want to make money? Um, how much time do you want to put into that? Do you want to make your own thing? Do you want to be an employee? Like, it it depends. And it that's hard. Um Housing. Do you want to own a house? Uh, do you want to build? Which phew, I'm in the building industry. That makes me cringe right now. Um, <laughs> like what? What do you like? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do there? What do you want your relationships to look like? Do you want to be married? Um, do you want to have a large group of friends? Would you like to have a kid? Kids? Um, and then. You, know, you have to kind of answer all these questions and then how do you get there? I would argue that you don't have to answer all these questions because a lot of them are going to happen whether you make those choices or not. And that's the the difficult part of life and the difficult part about being on track is you're in motion. Yes. You're going forward and you're going to end up somewhere. Well, and, and that's why I would argue life it's a lot more like wheel-to-wheel racing than time trials. All right. <laughs> <laughs> because we're, on, we're doing life with other people. Like, unless yeah, you are a hermit who literally has no contact with anyone else, and even then... Aaron Lichty's calling me. Um, and even then... Other people still have an impact on you. The weather, um, the quality of the water and the surrounding area. Like it, you, you're not an island in and of itself. And you're, we, we say you don't, like you have to look where you're going to get there. But just because you looked there doesn't mean you're going to end up there. Correct. Absolutely. Because. Which is. It's like a it's a really difficult paradox to deal with. If there's a car there, you cannot occupy the same space without hitting it. 
Um, or if the conditions. You, you mean to break a certain way going into a corner and you don't. And right. now you're not like you're not going to hit the apex the way you thought you were going to. There's oil on the track. Um, which that if I, if I, <laughs> it does, um, <laughs> which, you know, like in Monopoly would be, uh oh, unexpected tax, blah, blah, blah. You owe $500. Cool. Um, yeah, it, it, it never works out, but I think. In, in my brain, anyway, when I'm thinking about, like, what do you want, that's a moving target as it is on track. As you exit the corner of, as you exit one corner, you're looking ahead to the next, the entry for the next one, where you want to go there. When, or preferably even before you get to when you're going to start breaking, you should be looking through the apex at your exit. Like you should always be looking ahead, but it's the how you get there. That's the difference in vision that I think the phrase look ahead oversimplifies. Because all professional drivers, like truly high level drivers, do not simply always look way out in front of them nobody right. does that nobody can do that you're constantly taking in information there's um several different phases you could call it in vision uh there's using your periphery which means your eyes are looking far ahead and up and far away hopefully and then you're looking in your periphery which means your eyes may be pointed in a certain direction, but you are not looking there. Your brain is looking to the sides, even though your eyes are pointed somewhere. Um, you could be glancing. You could be glancing at an apex, which is like just in front of you. You could be glancing like up and way to the side at a flag or stand, um, but you don't stay there. Glancing at your mirrors, checking those, but you don't stay there. So there are different phases and different types of vision rather than just looking ahead. And I would always caution you if you hear yourself say it or if somebody says to you, oh, you just need to look farther ahead. I under I understand what they're trying to do, but that's not actually what you need to do. It's more about where you're thinking and how you're using your eyes to inform your brain and your emotions. That's important. Whenever somebody tells me I need to look ahead, I always wonder what I'm missing. Because if you if you say you're not looking ahead, my perception always was it's not it's not so much that I'm not looking ahead. It's that my vision isn't where it needs to be to gather all the information. Yes. Um, and so the phrase look ahead, like you say, can mean a bunch of different things. And I'm not sure I've ever had a coach who was able to go, you need to look ahead in this way. Um, and I don't know if that's because you, it's, it's really hard to tell what a person's missing. It's easier to tell that they're missing something. Um, you know, you, you missed a yellow flag. Right. You missed a yellow. You were not looking ahead. Now, I can't tell you what you weren't either physically looking down track enough. You weren't paying attention in your peripheral vision. You were too focused on the car in front of you and not on the things around you. There's like there's a whole bunch of reasons you may have missed a yellow flag. Mm -hmm. But we don't it's really hard to tell what the root cause was. And so we just sort of sweep that into a general, you know, you need to look ahead more so that you can see these things. And I think that gets to be a, I don't know if it's more confusing when you're starting out or more confusing when you're experienced, when somebody, yeah. when somebody says that, because when you're, when you're, when you're starting out, you just take that on faith and you go, cool, I'll look ahead more. Yeah. And so you, you try, right? try eyes up. You try to look ahead more and, and you like, I'm doing this thing that my instructor wanted me to do. And when you're, you know, years and, and hundreds or thousands of laps into it and you miss a yellow flag and somebody's like, dude, you got to look ahead more. 
you're like, Gah. like yeah. I, I try that every time I'm out there. What, what was I missing? Like what aspect of looking ahead was I not doing? And am I not doing that every time I'm out here? Right. Or was it a temporary lapse? Is there something fundamentally structurally wrong with how I'm treating my vision? Or did I just slip up for a second? And that's where I think like a proper good coach or can really come into play. Because instead of making that statement, like this happened, so you need to X, you know, Y happened, so you need to X. All right. Instead of that, uh, questions start coming. So what 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 was going on right before you missed that yellow flag? Before you missed your your bill payment deadline, <laughs> what was going on in your life? Before you forgot your significant other's or your mom's birthday, what have you been dealing with? What what's been going on? Yeah. Um, and it's not to excuse it, but it's to understand where your focus, where your energy was and why it can be reasonable that that happened. And then once, if you can identify it, which is a big if sometimes we don't know until much later. So then all we can do is try to do better. You know, right. try to plan. It just falls into that. Well, just try to plan farther ahead. You know, <laughs> which which honestly might be the better way to say eyes up. Just plan more in advance. Right. Um, and then the vision, like you said, is that which informs your ability to make those plans. I may like that better, like as just a general Band-Aid. But then after that, so what's been going on? All right. So you've had, these are the circumstances. So in that moment, what were you doing? Where was your focus? It could be, you know, I'm having a whole lot of trouble in school right now and it's really stressing me out. And so I totally forgot about this deadline. All right, so you were, so that was happening. So then... You missed the deadline because you were stressing about expectations, whatever it is. It's been a while since I've been in school. Um, So then you can say, okay, totally understandable. I get it. Because to be honest, like we do. Like if you can find some empathy and reach into your bag of experience trick, you can understand And then you can lead into, so, next time. This is important because if you miss a deadline, your grades suffer. If you miss a bill payment, yay, you get to pay more money now. (laughs) Um, If you miss a birthday, um, you've probably lost a little bit in that relationship. It might hurt somebody's feelings. And so then you've got to work a little extra hard on the back end to try to uh, repair and move forward from there. And then how do you do that? That's the next step. And then exploring the options. All right, so when you're feeling like this, when you notice that your hands are too tight around the steering wheel, what's that telling you? Or what could that be telling you? If you get on the straightaway and just out of habit, because Scott's been telling you to take a deep breath and you take a deep breath and it feels oddly good. <laughs> What's that telling you? <laughs> um, if you notice at any point that you're looking down for more than half a second, a second, what's that telling you? Because those are symptoms of a greater thing and the symptoms are good. We need them because it points the way. You know, the reason why we get stressed and anxious, um, look down, hands tight, shallow breathing, shoulders are scrunched up. Like these are symptoms and they're telling you something very important. Um, And being able to identify those and quickly identify them 
is part of the first step in getting ahead of it and actually being able to um, position yourself, your mind, uh, your habits, behaviors, so that you don't get in that into that position nearly as often. That was that was big and meandering. Does that make sense? It does. You what what actually what I the one word that that I got there is you, you, <laughs> one word. I like it. One one word. One word I got there is you mentioned um, um, compassion. Empathy and compassion, yeah. Empathy and compassion. And that seems to be a really important part of teaching. Yes. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, teaching and learning, but especially the teaching side to be able to put yourself in the position that these poor bastards are in. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Um that you know your your first track day or your first race weekend or or just you know the first time it's raining when you're on track or even if you've done it before but god this is scary like um the first time with a coach um because you feel like you're super being judged <laughs> like <laughs> right yeah 100% feel like you're being judged that's that's a good point like doing something new like you could be an expert driver and you you hire a coach for the first time that is nerve wracking. <laughs> but as as teachers and mentors and just friends of people around us, a huge part of of doing that is being able to have compassion for the the moments that people are living around us, that our students are living, that our friends are living, um, and how difficult those moments are in the moment. Um, so that we can, so that we can use it constructively, but also so that, that we can, we can connect with our students, yep. um, and connect with our friends and connect with the people around us and go, you know, I'm, I'm in my late forties now, but I remember being 25 and deciding that I was going to go autocross when it was probably not a great financial decision because like to go fast, you had to buy a set of Hoosiers and I could not buy a set of Hoosiers. Um, not true. I could have bought a set of Hoosiers, but that would have taken away from the other things I was trying to do in life. And I haven't had to make that sort of value judgment in a while. And I I occasionally when we're we're hanging out with the people that you and I hang out with that are at a different part in their lives I have to remind myself that that they have different pressures um and to be empathetic to the fact that that the decisions they make are driven by different things because they're in a different part in their life a different part in their career they have different personal relationships um and to to be empathetic to them and even as as driving students you know there there's definitely people driving $5000 cars on track that can less afford to ball that car up than friends of ours with 50 or $70,000 cars yes um and so to to be empathetic to someone when they say like i i'm I'm not comfortable doing that in a car. You have to go, yeah, I remember why. I remember why that sort of thing is scary. Um, but even that example that you just gave, that um, if we can afford to ball up the car while we're on track, I mean, that is looking forward. That is thinking yeah. about the possible implications of putting your car on track at the first place. Like this is outside of like, well, I've got to have coilovers and these kind of tires and these big brakes and this turbo. Like it's, it's before all of that. It, it is the plan, like looking ahead, planning ahead and how do you get there? Like, yeah. And so we have the, we always, we've, we've frequently said, you know, don't worry about getting the coilovers and this and the perfect stuff just come out on track. And I wonder sometimes when people say my car isn't ready, 
there's a lot in that statement. Yeah, there's a myriad of questions that need <laughs> that would need to be followed up with. Right, because it's really easy for you and I to look at a, you know, look at an eight thousand dollars Civic and go, "It's ready. Put fresh fluid, put fresh brake fluid in, and come on out." And somebody who has to drive to college on Monday, yep, and they're telling you, you know, my car is not ready. That statement may be a very loaded statement. Yes, yeah, it's. Um, it's- quite possibly could have nothing to do with the car no and and you can and and they may be telling you it needs coilovers or they may be telling you it needs this but the the reality of it me might be i need time to be in a different place in my life yes for my car to be ready to do that sort of thing um and i forget that sometimes and i have to try to remind myself of that yeah more frequently and if we're talking about the whole looking ahead metaphor <laughs> to uh it's what, life it's what the whole show is man. life life and driving um it is i mean plug and play your situation what do you want to do after high school i don't know you just do the next step that your friends and your parents did because that's what your friends and your parents did. You could. Um, Why are you going to college in the first place? Why go to trade school? Um, Why not just start a business straight out of high school? Um, Relationships like the people you hang out with, do you just hang out with them because it's convenient? Um, it's it's everything like and it's not just about planning it's not about like putting a budget on a piece of paper or anything like that it's about looking and evaluating where you are knowing where you are i'm in a car i'm holding on to a steering wheel i'm at this stage of my life i make this much money i have i live here i have these relationships it's knowing what you want. And I still believe like the, the most basic question we ask toddlers, well, what, what do you want? And that's a good point. We never know what we want. I I'm convinced I am continually convinced that is the hardest question you can ever ask anybody to have a genuine response. What do you want? But to keep asking that question and to keep trying to figure it out, that's looking ahead. And then the whole how do you get there thing, that's planning. That's like taking steps. But the whole like, you know, taking in good information is taking stock of where you are and what you want, which is hard. And a lot of times, like we, we talked about, like you, your body and your brain have to protect yourself and you need to take a break and you need to just go into survival mode for a little bit rely on what's around you immediately day to day just but in intentionality is important like even even if you don't accomplish the things you set out to do the yes. fact that you were looking forward and trying to accomplish them in the first place is important. Yeah, I mean... Um, it can be frustrating. Journey, destination, um, results. Yeah, it's not the results. It's, yeah, what are you trying to do? Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to accomplish? I think it's more that you're trying to do something than what you're trying to do. Ooh, I like that even more. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important that you are trying to do something that you feel will make your life better, will make this lap better, will make the track weekend better, um, rather than just barging headlong into it. Yeah, I like it. Um you know, we, we do talk about that. Like, what are you trying to do this weekend? Like, 
when you go to a track weekend, right? Like you can just drive around for fun and that is intentional, right? Like I'm just going to drive around and hoot and holler in my helmet and have a good time. But in general, but that's a plan, right? Yeah. And, and you can go through, you can, you can certainly have uh, a period of your life or a large chunk of your life where that's what you're doing intentionally. Um, but most of us who track drive cars show up at the track and want, even if, if it's like, what do you want to do this weekend? Set a personal best. Cool. How do you want to do that? What are you going to be working on that will allow you to do that? Um, yeah, you really need to go out in every session with at least one thing to focus on, one thing to do, preferably two. But even if one of those things is have more fun, do that. Yeah. Relax. Have a good time. You're bad at that. Yes. Be, well, <laughs> I'm bad at that because I'm trying to do other things. Right. And those other things are hard enough that my bandwidth to have fun disappears. My budget yeah. is on other things and I can't afford fun. Yeah. When you get done, then you've had fun. Yes. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> but in the moment, it's hard. Life is like that too, right? Like, certainly I've, I've talked to enough people in their 70s, 80s, 90s who have regrets, but also go, that worked out pretty good. Like life was, life was not too bad. Um, even though they didn't necessarily set out to have a good time, you know, they set out to provide for their family, to, to raise their children, to have a career, to, you know, go racing cars in their fifties, to do whatever it was. And then they get, they get to old age and look back and go, oh, that was pretty good. I think I had fun. It rained for a race and you were on the wrong tires. <laughs> it happens. It does. Life throws that at you. We're at track walking. Was it? <laughs> I think that was the ending point. At Track Walking Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, Track Walking Chats is where we like to hang out and try to poke people. Um, yeah, rate us and review us. We haven't asked for that in a while. Uh, it does help, but really the biggest thing that you can do, uh, which helps the show, is to share your favorite episode. Or if you really enjoy an episode, if you just share it, um, say why or don't. If you're a grown adult, you can do what you want. Um, but that really does help and helping is good because it's helpful. <laughs> deep, <laughs> yes, thoughts, deep thoughts with John Andy. Uh, anyway, I'm Scott and I'm Seth. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>